Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, and welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Jacob Birch from Jansic, and we're here in Washington, D.C., in our own little quarantine, which, as you can see, involves sitting in front of bookcases and chatting with you about life, love, and the theme for today's podcast, which we'll get to in a second. Um, For those of you listening on a podcast app, you may have heard that I mentioned that you could see things in the room in which we sit. That's because we're posting uh, some of these episodes now on YouTube. Why? I have no idea. Um, (laughs) But it's taken off. We get like 36 views of videos. Oh my gosh. My mom has watched it at least 35 (laughs) times. So um, yeah, it's a thing that people do and I guess it's to be done. And as a result of which we're doing it. So there's my convincing and very rhetorically sound uh, argument for why you should maybe check this out on YouTube because you can see us look pale and underfed. <laughs> and the lighting's great. <laughs> and the lighting is great. Professional grade. Excellent quality. Um, so here we are. This episode is for uh, the Thursday of Easter week. Um, this past week, we had quite a few episodes queued up. Perhaps you were loving it. Perhaps you were feeling overwhelmed at the amount of content unlistened to on your app. We just gave you inordinate amounts of anxiety, for which we apologize. But we had episodes there for Lectio Divina on um, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. And then we had a kind of special Tritum retreat, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then uh, for the vigil, Easter vigil. And then we had um, our ordinary episode on Thursday. So wowzers, tons of content, crazy. Uh, But here we're just going to kind of settle back into our new normal, which is a Thursday episode. And then uh, you'll see Lectio Divina on the readings for Sunday appear about midday on Saturday, per usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are things. But life goes on. How's life? Life is it's going tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, Thursday. This Thursday is, what, like five weeks since we've been in our self-whatever isolation quarantine here at the House of Studies. And uh, it's we're plugging along. <laughs> it's going great. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we're, we're, we're certainly blessed here to have the community and to pray together and have you know, live together and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, you know, I've been in a car like twice in the last five weeks. So yeah, that's it. It's my yes. life. Our lives are wildly uninteresting. You figured this out actually at a pretty early moment in your Dominican life because you try to, you know, you call your parents with some frequency cause that's, you know, that's where we're, well, whatever, who cares? Um, you do that and then you call them and they're like, Hey, what's new? And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> Nothing is new. Um, they're like, wait, describe to me your week. It's like, it's like the conversation we had last week, except exactly the same. You just changed the dates. Um, so yeah, quarantine for us is just a further confirmation that our lives are wildly uninteresting. So cheers to that and cheers to you having a probably more interesting life. And uh, now we're going to transition seamlessly into a discussion of this week's topic, which is Exodus 90. Father Jacob Bertrand, what is Exodus 90? Well, Exodus 90 is a program mm. that lasts 90 days. Okay. It's called Exodus 90. <laughs> uh, so Exodus 90 is a, um, yeah, well, it is a kind of a program, I guess. I don't know what what else do you call it. Uh, we're going to call it a program um, that has gained, I think, a good deal of popularity. I was going to say especially among men, which makes sense because it's a program for men. Uh, so there is there is a sort of, female woman parallel here i've yeah. forgotten what it's called i think it's called fiat fiat 90 
I don't know if it has 90 afterwards. I've just heard it called Fiat, but I haven't done any research. Huh. That's all I got. Nor have I. I've not been interested in it. No offense, <laughs> ladies, but I'm not, you know, whatever. Okay, moving on. So Exodus 90, it's um, it's a 90-day spiritual exercise for men that's based on uh, three pillars, prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. Okay. And as far as I understand, so I'm certainly no expert, you could probably find better information, more information on the Exodus 90 website and the Exodus 90 book, talking to a friend that's done Exodus 90. Um, as far as I understand, the the program originated, under, uh, was created by a priest, Father Michael Doer. I'm probably butchering his last name, so apologies for that. Um, but originally for seminarians at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland, which is not too far from here, but our, a little over an hour, hour 15, hour 20, Hour yeah. and a half, two hours, <laughs> three hours, depending where you're coming from in DC, could take two days. There you but go. Not, not terribly far from here. And then uh, I don't know, I don't really know the timeline, but uh, eventually it, um, Father Michael handed it over to one of his former seminarians who had left the seminary. Um, and uh, the, the program became popularized amongst the laity. So the idea is that these three pillars of, of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity work together. As, as a sort of form of, kind of we can think of it as a, an extended length. So rather than 40 days, we're looking at 90 days. And um, the, the idea is to sort of be able to detach men from the habits that they might have, um, that they might have, that they might have sort of acquired, accumulated by living in the secular world, whether that's um, habits of materialism, sort of like screen addictions, watching Netflix. I know you're, you're, favorite thing to do is watch netflix only binge lord he hates netflix that's not true um but you know screen addictions also you know pornography masturbation these sorts of things to break those habits um to use the disciplines of christian asceticism fraternity prayer to mm -hmm. begin to form new habits um so uh as far as what the program looks like exodus 90 the 90 refers to the length of the program um so maybe a little aside here uh through the program, the the men who are who are on this journey read read the through the book of Exodus. So the book of Exodus is broken up. Um, it kind of the idea, as far as I understand, is that it parallels the Israelites' journey out of out of Egypt, um, out of slavery to Pharaoh. That symbolizes slavery to sin. Um, you know, so your your exodus from this slavery to whatever sort of addictions, like I've already listed. Um, and then 90, because it's a 90-day program, um, and, and that is based on the understanding that building new habits takes about this length of time, about 90 days, to sort of rewire the pathways, clear out the, the garbage, and then wire in the new stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so Exodus 90. Um, and in that, uh, what how the program is set up, again, these three pillars give, give, it, give it life. So on the prayer side, um, you're required to make a holy hour mm -hmm. or some sort of extended length of, of prayer, a holy hour, and to read scriptures each day in the reflection. So there's the Exodus. Okay. The asceticism has a whole bunch of ascetical practices. So mm -hmm. we won't list them all. I mean, you can look them up. Let's list some of them. I mean, the but ones people have been interested in. Yeah. Like cold showers. Cold showers. That's the one you always hear about. Miserable. <clears throat> Miserable yeah. experience. Cold showers. Um, so it's a it's a complete sort of media device fast but for school and work so like no internet no tv no movies no sports but for school and work so cut out the youtube no cat videos do people even watch cat videos anymore i assume so because they're just like 
such an important part of human nature. So without cat videos, what would become of the heart of man? That's true. Yeah. We have a friend who watercolors cats. <laughs> That's true. So we see cats. Shout out uh, to Emily. Oh yeah, there it is. Um, so, so no, so no screen time, basically. Yeah. Um, there's increased fasting, so no snacking between meals. Um, fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, so the traditional Catholic fast, two small meals, one regular meal. Okay. Um, those sorts of things. No, no alcohol, um, right. that sort of thing. So there are a few more, but that gives you a pretty solid idea. Can of you drink coffee? You can drink coffee. Okay. So water, coffee, no sugary drinks, no soda, that okay. kind of stuff. Um, so it's pretty, pretty rigorous in the ascetical and the ascetical practices. Um, and then the third pillar, fraternity. So you had prayer, asceticism, fraternity. Um, there they have, the, it's, it's set up so that you do this with a group of men, mm -hmm. um, friends, whatever, young adult group, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so there's a weekly, there are weekly fraternity meetings where you kind of check in kind of like accountability partner meetings, but it's as, as a group. Um, and then there, you're, you're supposed to have what they call an anchor too, is sort of a one-on-one. -on -one. So you have the group, but then you also have the, there's sort of, I guess this is more akin to an, a kind of accountability partner. So there are check-ins with that. So that runs, that runs the, I guess, the spectrum of what it is. Exodus 90, okay. wandering through the desert, leaving, leaving the old life of sin and attachment to, to worldly sort of vices behind mm -hmm. 90 days because 90 days breaks and rewires and then you kind of go through these prayer asceticisms and fraternal um things okay all right so we have like a, a basic sense of the shape of exodus 90 kind of like what you undertake when you set out to do it uh and and you know i think typically you would start 90 days in anticipation of easter so this year, I yeah. guess guys would have started what, like January twelfth or something 13th. like that, thirteenth, twelfth okay. or thirteenth, yeah. And then you you Can't plow remember. on through Easter. But right now, we'd be in a time where a lot of guys are kind of evaluating how their Exodus ninety went and what about their Exodus ninety experience they want to carry over or what they want to implement as a kind of ongoing habit of conversion or never do again or never do again, as it were. So like cold showers, for instance, you know, testify they always are awful. Right. So there's no point at which cold showers become not awful. At least I haven't discovered one um, because, yeah, it's just like, all right, here we go. The day is starting and now I'm being hit in the whole body with a cold two by four. What a blessing. And moving on. OK. Um, it's amazing how, how long you'll put off the shower. Like, like I'm going <laughs> to exercise later. So I'll shower in the afternoon. It's like I didn't exercise. Now it's yeah. I showered last week, you <laughs> no know, problem. water shortages, economic downturns. We can't be really, you know, just out of control. We're very globally conscious. Exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, some things always stink. Um, some things, you know, you're kind of looking forward to throwing them over the side when it comes Easter. But other things you're thinking of retaining. So maybe as a way of kind of focusing the conversation about prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, and what about those practices need carryover. We can talk about, like, like what's good in Exodus 90? Like, what are good lessons learned? So you, you've done it. I haven't done it. I've just observed other people do it. Uh, I've kind of spectated them, I suppose. Um, so like what's good about Exodus 90? What were, what were fruitful discoveries, epiphanies? What were like good habits? What were things that you found especially, especially yeah. fruitful? So a, as a religious, one of the, so there were this, this year there were a handful of Dominicans, no one that I lived with here at the House of Studies, but other Dominicans throughout the province who were doing Exodus 90 or a sort of abbreviated form, they have done it in the past. So mm -hmm. we, we chatted throughout, you know, when we were doing it. Um, and we, we kind of, at least the friars that I spoke to kind of 
found that as as religious, it was a bit strange. Uh, and, and the reason being is because a lot of these, not all of them, but a lot of these sort of ascetical practices are kind of built into the life already. So like the holy hour, um, reading of scripture every day, like these things weren't terribly new, um, which is fine. That's not to say that like, I don't need Exodus 90 to help build better habits of prayer. Sure, sure. Um, but it's, it didn't make it as sort of radical in some ways. I think that other people might experience. So, um, there but was, there was also that point for like a year and a half when we didn't have any hot water on the third floor. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was those days. You know, if you turn on like four showers and flush three toilets all at once, <laughs> it got warm for a second, but that was a year and a half of our life. Yeah. That was fun. It's great. Um, but I, what I, another thing that I, that I realized, is that with without fraternity, um, this these these sorts of things are, I would say, don't even. It's very difficult to take up, especially if you're not acclimated to them. You know, our religious life, like I've already said, kind of acclimates us to taking on penances. Um, so, you know, as as like a college student or somebody who's really not very disciplined, if you don't have the support of fraternity, uh, it just it's very easy to sort of say, well. I'll snack today. It's not a big deal. And even in the Exodus 90 program, and, and the, it says, over, you know, in the introduction that this is one of the first things that men experience is a sort of, where can I cut corners? So even I, I felt that, that same sort of thing. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so having that fraternity, that sort of, just that accountability, knowing that you're in this pursuit together, I found mm-hmm. to be, uh, to be helpful and to sort of check in, even, even if, for nothing else, you just kind of complain about things together. You know, that there, there is, you know, misery loves company. Um, mm. The other thing too, was that even, I, I guess I realized in some ways, or it, it led me to realize how much time I spend wasted. That's not a proper English sentence. How much time I waste. Mm. There you go. Um, whether it's like, you know, sitting in my office and kind of getting a little annoyed with work or bored with work and sort of like watching like a stupid YouTube video or like something like that. Like yeah. it's just easy to kind of, Oh, 30 seconds here, a few minutes there. And you're kind of like, by the end of the day, you're like, Oh my gosh, I spent an hour and a half like wasted. So that, that kind of thing um, was really helpful. One of the things that I didn't mention that's required or that's required, whatever. One of the asceticisms is exercise. I think it's like three times a week, four times a week. Um, and at, in the, at the turn of the year, you know, whatever, back in January, I wasn't really doing that. So that was also helpful. When you kind of carve out the garbage, you have time to kind of focus on what's good for your body and what's good for your soul. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you cut out an hour and a half of YouTube, I don't know if I watch that much, maybe I don't know, whatever. But if you cut out an hour and a half of YouTube, it turns out you can make a holy hour and like get a 30 minute running and yeah. still have the same rest of the day. Mm. It makes no difference. Um, so these sorts of things I, I found to be pretty, to pretty, pretty useful and helpful uh, yeah i think it, like in general ascetical practices help you to reckon with the fact that regardless of what you say you are addicted i think that the, the word addiction is stigmatized like we associate it with you know opioids or with um like cocaine or something intenso um but i think that like if we if we use the concept more broadly and don't speak about it just in terms of drug use that a lot of us are so deeply habituated to certain practices that they become unconscious and sometimes irrationally so. Um, And what do I mean by that? I mean that like when you cease doing a lot of stuff, you realize how dependent you were formerly upon it. Now at this point, 
I want to think further about this. I want to reflect upon it. So I'm going to take the opportunity to bring us to a break. Hmm. So let's step away briefly. Dependent on that break. Yeah, let's let's watch three YouTube videos and then we'll be back. So stick with us on God's planning and we'll be right back. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. And welcome back to God's Planning. Here we are for the latter half of this episode. We're talking about uh, dishabituating, if that's a word. If not, I made it up. And cheers, trademark, uh, bad practices and habituating good practices. Uh, and speaking about in terms of addiction. So a lot of times you'll hear people say like, I do this or I do that, but I'm not addicted, you know. Uh, you hear that often in conversations about like marijuana use um, as part of the kind of destigmatization and decriminalization. A lot of people will say like, it's not addicting. Uh, and it's like, okay, that addicting means something according to the FDA. It also means something according to the human heart. And when you do stuff like this, for instance, like when you take a cold shower every morning, you realize how addicted you are to comfort. Yeah. You know, it's like, sure. cause like when you get out of bed, you want to be warm, you know, you want to like want to wear your blanket to the shower. You exactly. You want to wear your blanket to the shower. You know, if like you're feeling like a little bit sick, you know, like you want your sinuses to get all like heated up and you know steamed. And if you like feel it in any way, shape, or form less than you know top shape, you're gonna you're gonna go into the shower and make an excuse for yourself as to why you need to take a hot shower. Like I've got like a, like a twinge of pain in my back. I don't want to take a cold shower because it gets seized up and I'd have a spasm. It's like no, you won't. You're just a baby. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you can extend that logic through a lot of what these practices touch. <clears throat> and um, certainly like, say, say you made a commitment not to eat between meals. I bet you started drinking an incredible amount of hot beverages immediately thereafter. Why? Because like life is sad, you know, and like getting from breakfast to lunch is like four and a half hours of difficulty. And you're like, how do I make it? You know, <laughs> I'll just have a little snack, <laughs> just a little something. And then getting from lunch to dinner, also difficult. It's like that moment at 1045 every morning where we're like, you know, I'm not going to make it. I mean, I'm, I need lunch right now, okay? <laughs> or I'm literally going to die. Um, so it, it helps us to reckon with the fact that we are, we are creatures of habit and we become easily addicted to or habituated to practices which might not be for our good. Yeah. One of the, one of the things too that here that I think we've, that we've kind of gotten away from culturally in the faith, you know, we could talk about whatever kind of changes in society, but you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. What, but it is, it is a matter of fact that the faith has been in, in culture and society. So kind of watered down and the practice of the faith has been so um, infantilized that we kind of approach the practice of the faith now, like, like our second grade CCD education that like we can color a picture of Jesus, but that, you know, and like make a cool felt banner, but that's the extent of our relationship with, with God. And one of the things that um, I think this recognition of sort of the weakness of where, where like, you know, our hearts um, find their comfort and their rest. Um, there's, there's a disconnect there because we're made, we're made for that, for that comfort and rest in God. And here that's not fulfilled here. I mean, on this side of, of heaven, it's not, it's not fulfilled. And there's a sort of restlessness in that. Um, but, but we do, we self self soothe so regularly and so easily that, yeah. Okay. You know, you know, a hot shower is nice or like being warm is it's nice or like having a snack when you're hungry is nice. And it, they're not necessarily evil things to have those things, but they, they do become kind of inhibitors when we, when we rely on those for our comfort um, to such a degree that they sort of block 
block our relationship with with God. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. and and that in that we've kind of lost the seriousness or like the gravitas of the faith, the sort of spiritual warfare in which we're supposed to engage um, is is kind of relegated again to like talking about. Um, talking about like theology or faith or, you know, not everybody has to be a theologian, but talking about these things, you know, with like a ninth grade education at best. And, you know, again, making felt banners, I'm kind of poking fun, but like um, we've lost sort of the seriousness in our approach to understanding the faith and to living the faith and to um, carving out the the stuff that gets in the way. Uh, So I think, I think that's really, you know, at the heart of, of, Christian asceticism, but in in this program. And I think that's why it's been particularly popular Mm -hmm. and attractive um, to young men, because men who want to pursue Christ want to pursue Christ. Uh, And they want to do so seriously. And they know that their their souls at times are in jeopardy because society and culture says to hell with God. Like you don't you don't need any of this. Take your hot showers and you know be soothed and comforted here, and that's it. so when 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 the challenge is put forth, no, uh, you know, no, that this is serious. Spiritual warfare is serious. God is serious, and here here's a way to sort of carve that path and get rid of some of the you know scrape off, descale some of the garbage. Uh, it's that's attractive. Yeah, yeah. I think to like um, <clears throat> a lot of us have so like you, you put it in terms of self soothing or in terms of like comfort. Um, Life, you know, life is difficult and we deploy a lot of means, some of which are healthy means, some of which are less healthy means for navigating our way through the trials of life. Uh, But I think that we have to be able to experience our solitude and we have to be able to experience that difficulty in an intimate way in order to hand it over to the Lord, in order to, you know, encounter him as not like the solution to or the answer for said problem, but as the friend the divine friend who makes it possible to live this life and who gives a kind of supernatural scope to it. Uh, because apart from that, we are just the best that we can be is like apathetic and resilient. Right. But we want something more than that. We want to be holy and we want to be able to abandon ourselves to the Lord Jesus, to sacrifice, to do something magnanimous and excellent with our lives. Um, and so mortifications like penances like this, they do, they like, like, like you said, they kind of clear out the space such that we can cling to higher goods. Um, and so an image that I have in my mind is at the end of the Odyssey. So Odysseus has been gone for forever. And um, <clears throat> his wife, Penelope, has been waiting on him for forever. But the suitors in his native Ithaca are getting restless. They want her to remarry. And so they're all coming to her house and just lounging around her, you know, her dining room, basically, and just trying to get her to commit to um, marrying one of them. And she says, like, when I finish this tapestry, I'll marry one of you. So she weaves it every day on the loom and every night she unweaves it. Uh, so like as she waits for Odysseus, she's keeping all of these men at arm's length. And that's kind of how we have to treat secondary goods. You know, you kind of keep them at arm's length because there are so many suitors, you know, and they want to kind of, um, yeah, they want to ensnare your heart. They want to capture your attention. But when they do so, they're going to make you unfaithful to the bridegroom who cometh at the end of the age. So, yeah. I remember, in I think it was in, in the novitiate, our, our novice master. I don't remember the context, but it was, it, was a, it was some context about this, about being attached to these things or something. And uh, I remember him, him using the example of, of a cloistered nun who, you, you know, has given up everything 
contact with the war, like just everything, you know, giving up everything to, to be a bride of Christ. And he said something to the effect of even those nuns, they hang on to their little holy cards. Like there's like, it's the only thing they have. And, and, you know, like just the, he sort of described the, the sort of what would, what would originally be, you know, seen as something good and holy to have this holy card, this image of Christ or whatever. But even those, even the, you know, even the most simple and basic things can become, um, a distraction or things that we cling to or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to take stock of that, to sort of enter this, um, the cell of self-knowledge and recognize, um, where it is that I am particularly given to cling to the things of this world in an inordinate way, or as Father Gregory said, in a way that's not at arm's length in a way that it captivates me, uh, or like has hold over my heart. Um, because a lot of times it just goes unnoticed, you know, vegging mm-hmm. out in front of the TV for, you know, a couple hours, or just like those sorts of things. Again, not inherently evil, but we have to ask like, how, how does this contribute to my relationship with Christ? Sometimes leisure is great. You know, sometimes we just need to watch like a movie and that's fine. But other times it's like, do we? <laughs> do we? Yeah. All right. We have a few more minutes. Um, so maybe just entertain one more question. I know that a lot of folks, when they do Exodus 90, they feel a great intensity to it and they feel very spiritually energized. And then Easter comes around and then they relax a lot of the practices. And then as a result of which they feel spiritually listless, they feel unmoored, they've lost their anchor and they kind of tend back into a similar shape of life without having retained a lot of what has gone before. So what what would your counsel be to people who are trying to live a lifestyle that is more broadly penitential. So rather than concentrated in a 90 day period, but something that's characteristic of the whole of life, something that they can, they can live as a healthy habit for uh, real ongoing flourishing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a supporter. I'm a fan of the sort of um, intense periods of time of um, penance and asceticism and these sorts of things. Um, I mean, the church asks us to do that in the penitential seasons and these these kind of things. But I think we have to be a little cautious of the sort of like flash pan. Is that what it's called? Is that the, I don't know. I don't know. Flash sort of like, in the pan, flash bang, whatever, something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? You're getting it. You're I'm picking up you. what I'm putting down. Uh, that, that kind of effect where, um, as Father Gregory described, we have these sort of intense days, even though 90 days, that's, that's a long haul. It is. But the year uh, is longer than 90 days and our life is longer than 90 days. So what comes after my general, uh, I guess my like beef here, do people stay beef? I'm saying my, yeah, my beef here is that um, typically my, my advice in the spiritual life, um, and I'm certainly no expert, but is, is that we start small um, and that we kind of grow and habituate ourselves to things. Otherwise, what we do in the spiritual life becomes like a new year's resolution Mm -hmm. that, you know, January 1st rolls around and our diet's great. And we're like, we're burning 40,000 calories and ingesting 17 calories mm. and, and then two weeks later it's just the opposite mm. i think it's the same it, it's the same in the spiritual life because we still have to build habits here um so so the danger not the danger the sort of fear the worry that i have is that um yeah what what happens next week you know so here we are easter thursday uh exodus 90 ended four or five days ago what 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 sort of habits has has this built in our lives so I'm not saying don't do Exodus 90, but I am saying that we, you have to approach a program or something like this with an eye towards what's coming after. So how do we do that? I think that there are certain um, 
and well, first enjoy the octave, of course, you know, enjoy the time, you know, that we've, we've kind of, we've made it through, um, enjoy that. But, uh, we, we can't go so to, sort of just as we went cold Turkey at the beginning of Exodus 90, we can't do that in the spiritual life. We can't say I've gone 90 days and now my problems are, are gone. So what sort of ascetic, ascetical practices, what sort of prayer life have you cultivated? What kind of grace has the Lord given you in these 90 days? And, um, how is this going to be carried through? That's, you know, I'm not, we can't sit here and say, still do your holy hour and do these things. Um, I think that's a great idea, but it's, it also has to be evaluated on, on, on your own sort of front as it were. Um, but to, to assume, I think the greatest danger here is to assume that we've sort of muscled through 90 days and have done well. And now I'm kind of set until the next Exodus 90 next year. I mean, there's, there's no greater foolishness than this sort of like rest on your laurels in, in the spiritual life. So what is going to be adopted? Now, I wouldn't say the next 90 days ought to look like the previous 90 days, but the idea in the spiritual life is that we build habits that attach us and lead us to God. And not that we slice, not that we erase them um, or the practice of them mm-hmm. or the struggle in the ascetical life. Um, I think that's, that's something important um, that has to be sort of weighed and figured out. I think like um, just kind of good advice in general is to talk it through with the spiritual director. Sometimes it's helpful. Uh, sometimes your spiritual director will be older and wiser and will have suffered. And that's a great boon. That's a great help in discerning these matters. Um, but I think that in general, we want to have a disposition of kind of building up. That's not to say that like each year you add a further spiritual practice because it's not about quantity. It is about quality. And there are some times when one will have to relax certain things, given changes in health, state in life, a pregnancy, you know, whatever it might be, an allergy. Um, so we need to be responsive to, to life as it presents different circumstances. But in, in general, like you want to you want to grow, you know, you want to grow and you want to have a kind of uh, forward trajectory, a kind of hopeful sense of tending unto heaven. Um, and it's not our work. It's God's work. You know, by his grace, he makes it not only possible, but accomplishes it within us. But we can actually consent to and cooperate with that grace. Um, and it has real effects in our lives and in our hearts. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, like especially those things that are cutting out rather than adding to it's, it's easiest to stick with those, you know. So, OK, let's say you deleted Spotify from your phone and you ceased to use YouTube. Uh, except for like watching your pre-recorded classes, your pre-recorded lectures, you know, that you're having to watch now in these strange times. Um, cool. I would say just like, just keep going. Uh, if you've learned to live without those, those, those things, that's awesome. Awesome. Or if like you gave up Netflix or Amazon prime or whatever, Disney plus entirely, then if you reincorporate it, reincorporate it in such a way that you only ever watch those things with friends, right? So you're not watching them alone. Yeah. Um, and maybe even a similar thing with alcohol, like, People will drink alone. They'll drink together. It's not necessarily bad to drink alone. Um, but like maybe you just reincorporate having, having a drink with, with friends, you know, something just like simple stuff like that where it's organic fasting on Fridays or yeah. not even snacking. Yeah. If, if like the fast is really too much, perhaps it is then just like not snacking on Friday, like having it's, it's, it's these sorts of things are much less about sort of accomplishing something by willpower and sort of like muscling through and like, ah, I did it. I accomplished X, Y, or Z penance this week. Um, and it sounds like, who cares what you do? Nobody cares what you do. This is, this is about the, the, the Lord's work in your, in your life and the grace that's being offered. Um, so, so if it's smaller, uh, 
great because it's about focusing, detaching ourselves and focusing ourselves on Christ, um, putting Christ in, in the center of, of our life. And that's what like the fasting, the cold shower, like all of these aren't just as like taking a warm shower isn't inherently evil. Taking a cold shower isn't inherently good. Um, but because of the remedy that it offers, it is, it can be. Um, so even small things offered up on a regular, consistent habit forming basis are, are, um, can be extremely meritorious, extremely meritorious. And it's our faithfulness in that, not our kind of perfection, not like fasting well, but fasting. And, and, and that's, I think the most important thing here. Yeah. For the Lord comes at an hour we do not know. And we want to be like faithful stewards who, uh, who keep watch into the third and fourth watch of the night. Not because the Lord's weird or creepy and wants to catch us off guard, but it's to say that um, graces are being offered. Uh, he continues to supply lights and insights, inspirations, all sorts of good things. But we need to be on, we need to be on the lookout for those things. We need to be aware. Uh, when they dawn upon us from on high. And mortification helps us uh, to be more spiritually sensitive. It clears out the space such that we can receive them. Um, and it you know, can kind of, by God's grace, incline us to assent to what is most essential and good. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. And uh, we wish you a happy Easter. We're praying for you. We're uh, remembering you in the offering of the Mass. We ask that you pray for us. Uh, do share this episode with your friends. If you have a friend who just did Exodus 90, share with them. So that way they can, uh, they can benefit from ongoing habits of healthy life, healthy prayer, healthy fraternity, healthy asceticism. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you at our next opportunity for Sunday Lectio and again for next week's episode. All right. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.